Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury here. I'll be joined by Steve Sabrin. We will chat with a great special guest right off the top, Rob Nixon, general manager of the Mount Forest Patriots of the PJHL on the upcoming season, how excited he is to get back in the rink and more. And then Steve and I will chat about a number of topics spanning a number of sports, NHL, Major League Baseball, football around the corner. I'll have some great futures bets on the NFL as well in our betting segment. That's all coming up next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by coolbet.co this is mwo sports Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by a special guest, a great friend of CKNX Junior Hockey and uh, hockey fans across the Midwestern Ontario area. It's Mr. Rob Nixon, the general manager of the Mount Forest Patriots. Nixie, how you doing, my friend? It's great to see you. Hey, things are really good, Ryan. Really, really enjoying the beautiful weather. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hot this week, that's for sure. Uh, but we're looking forward to it getting colder and fall rolling around and hockey coming back. Uh, we know that the league has a start date. I mean, after a really, really long time off and not being able to see these great junior players playing in our area, Rob, I'm sure you're really excited to get back inside a hockey rink, eh? Yeah, really excited. Um, you know, it's been, I don't even know how long it's been. What's it been, 18 months or... I don't even know how long it's been and I've been doing tons of hockey stuff, um, you know, with the, with the PJ, PJHL executive and lots of, lots of that stuff. And just like the guys and gals that we, we go with there that we we're all kind of looking forward to, you know, the reason we do the PJHL is because of the hockey, you know, watch the kids play. Um, so we kind of missed all that and really looking forward to, to going to the ice and, you know, you uh, you ask me questions about hockey players and stuff, and you know, and all that good stuff, and and me lying to the odd general manager about my own team. So, kind of looking forward to that. Uh, Rob, let's talk a little bit about the executive in the PGHL. Um, when can we expect a, a schedule to come out, and and uh, what are some of the things the executive has been working on to make sure the season gets underway? Yeah, lots of things, Stevie. I mean, uh, the schedule, um, I can only talk, like, I only talked to the Pollock one right now. Um, our conference manager, Doug, uh, Dougie Kennedy from Concordon, um, he's reached out to all the teams in our, in our division and we've supplied uh, all our dates and, and gone back and forth a little bit. And I would say by September 1st, which I thought was a long time ago, uh, but I guess it's a week from now, um, we should have something in writing uh, that looks pretty good, like a like a Pollock schedule, and and then as far as the whole PJHL goes, all the other divisions are doing the same. Uh, they're trying to come up with workable uh, schedules for all of us, and uh, and we're hoping, like you said, uh, it was agreed upon. We start that first week of October. Uh, COVID uh, COVID being allow us to do it, and uh, that's that's our hope. But we should know something by. By that first week of September, I think, uh, for the Pollock Division, guys. Fantastic news. I'm excited to see the schedule. I'm excited to get back in a rink and chum it up with you at uh, the Mount Forest and District Sports Complex. Uh, let's just quickly address COVID for a second, Rob. I don't know if you have any inside information you can give us in terms of what protocols are going to be. I know the GOJHL is working on a, a joint release for the entire league, a blanket statement, if you will. But I do know that some of the teams have been tweeting out that they're going to basically be going with their local health unit. What can you tell us in terms of the PJHL in terms of COVID protocols and what's going to be going on there? Will it kind of be the same thing? Yeah, I, I would say you're, you know, we're trying to be unified, um, you know, with the, you know, the OJ, the GO and, and the PJHL, like, you know, because we do represent the OHA and all of Ontario and we're trying to you know, work with uh, the Ontario Hockey Federation, everybody that we're consistent in, in doing what, what we need to do. Um, and you hit it on the head, the difficulty and all that. There's 60 teams in the PJHL. And throughout those 60 teams, we have, what, somewhere around 25 to 28, somewhere in their public health units. 
and and they all interpret uh, Ontario regulations, uh, you know, their way. So you know, and they're the boss, and uh, we we'll, we got to do what's right for the safety of the kids, and and we're really trying to be unified, uh, but it is difficult, and uh, but we're certainly trying to. Uh, to get it right um you know and again depending who you talk to <laughs> what's right um so for sure we're, we're trying to be consistent with our other leagues and and stakeholders and we're, we're not quite there yet and uh, and as you guys know the the COVID numbers uh unfortunately aren't really in our favor today <laughs> so anyway we're working on it and uh we're hoping we, you know, again, we're hoping to have a clear message uh, that we can again go forward to be able to play the games. You know, and that's what we're striving for. Uh, Rob, a lot of communities uh, looking at putting in the rice if they haven't already started the process, and um, opportunities have come up for kids to get back on the ice. What's the status of training camps and uh, getting kids back into uh, a little bit of shape for the upcoming season? Yeah. Well, I can I can only speak locally. Um, as as you guys know, uh, you know Listowel and and some of the geo teams have have already started uh, for us, like Listowel, Air, Elmira. Um, you know they've started to skate. Some of the C teams uh, in our in our division have skated. I know, um, but for the Patriots, uh, we weren't. Uh, the Mount Forest Ice isn't going in scheduled till the first week of September. And we were, we were still going to start to skate the September 11th and 12th weekend. So that was, that was our plans. And we're hoping that we can keep going towards that to be able to skate a few times. And like you said, Steve, you get in some kind of shape and have a couple exhibition games before the 1st of October comes. We're chatting with the general manager of the Mount Forest Patriots of the PJHL Junior C League, Rob Nixon. Rob, let's talk a bit about your Patriots now. Obviously, we're, like you said, a little over 18 months removed from the last time we got to see you guys on the ice. And we were hoping that we were going to get a great and what was looking to be a, a classic Pollock division final against the wing of Ironman at that point, you guys were shooting for another title back to back to back to back. It seems, and you, you've built a strong dynasty there, but now there's a difficulty in moving forward. A lot of guys, unfortunately have aged out. Um, and I think of all the great leaders that you had on that team, all the great players that have come through over the last number of years, how difficult was that to kind of reflect back on that being the last time you played hockey, knowing there could have been another title in the cupboard and how how much work has gone into reshaping the roster heading into this year? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Right, they, uh, you know, we COVID. You know, I would say in in the Pollock Division for sure. Um, you know, Mount Forest. You know, we had, we had a lot of good ninety nines, and and we we were ready to compete. You know, the the year that uh, with Wingham and us in the final. Um, I would have bet on us in that series, um, but don't, don't don't tell Wingham that. Um, the uh, and then as far as the following year, I think we would have been strong too. Um, but you're right; you're absolutely right. Um, you know who could have ever planned for COVID? You couldn't. And um, we, you know, just like all the other teams, you know, we we lost uh, some good kids that aged out. That hopefully they go on and play some good senior hockey uh, in the area. Or, or go on to good careers and whatever they're going to do. Uh, so that it was a big loss for, for the Patriots for sure. But having said that, you know, the, the blueprint's the same for us. Uh, we're, we're, we've gone out and we tried to recruit very well. And, uh, you know, we, we had, you know, we had half a dozen, we still have half a dozen returning players and uh, amongst that uh, some good ones. And then we just went out, we got a, we went out and we're trying to restock the cupboard and, um we've done okay you know has it gone perfect no never perfect uh but i you know we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can and you guys know in the poll like <clears throat> you know there's always four or five teams they're they're right there like they're right in the mix we we kick the crap out of each other and you know we should save a bit for for later on you know when we when we get on uh, to the quarters and all that but we we fight so hard to get out of the pollock division because it is 
and I, I've said that to you before, I, I believe we're the, we're the most, you know, hard fought competitive division throughout the PJHL. And I don't see that being any different. Um, I, from what I'm being told, you know, we're all going to be pretty strong again. And that's what I'm hoping for. And the Pats are, we're, we'll be there, you know, we're not perfect by any means, but we'll, when push comes to shove, we'll, we'll hopefully be at the near the end somewhere. Robin, your experience with junior hockey in the area um, from from playing, managing, and looking back, have you ever been involved in this type of situation where there's been such a long layoff and almost like a great reset, like everybody is starting from square one? Yeah, yeah, never, Stevie. and Like, never. Like, you know, I, I'm somewhere near 50, sort of. Um, and in, in my time, like, our, my my whole life has been nothing but hockey, you know, hockey in the winter, ball in the summer, and golf. And but hockey's every hockey's always been consistent, and you're, you're always playing. You're always thinking of, you know, whether you win or lose the one year, you're already thinking about next year, you know. And to take off a year and a half, uh, you know, is unbelievable. And and you know yourself, like the kids are different nowadays. Like they're, they're busy a lot of other things. Whereas, you know, I certainly grew up, you know, like I said, just worrying about ball and hockey, you know, and kids, you take a year and a half off of hockey, you, you got to get them energized again. And, and, you know, yeah, lots of them have missed it, but some of them have said, you know what, hockey's maybe not the most important thing in my life. And it, it's, it, this has certainly been a, it's been a, just like COVID itself, right? It's It's been an eye-opener. It certainly has. And uh, we continue to chat with our friend, the general manager of the Mount Forest Patriots, Rob Nixon. Now, many of our viewers on Whiteman and our listeners here on CKNX are probably wondering because, you know, Rob, like you said, we, we've talked a lot of hockey with you over the years. A lot of our listeners are probably wondering why I'm not referring to you as Sergeant Rob Nixon. Uh, well, that is because I can't anymore, because if you haven't heard, Rob retired last December after a distinguished career with the Ontario Provincial Police. Uh, what's retirement been like for you, Nixie? How's the golf game? What's the handicap at? Tell us all about it. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Retirement. Retirement's really good. Uh it's it's been awesome. I, I've been able to do um, I've been able to do a lot of things that I didn't do. Um, you know, I stay at home. I actually do stay at home a little bit with my daughter Gabby. Um, we get to do a lot of stuff together that I didn't get to do, and uh, and believe it or not, I actually cook now. My wife. Whoa. Yeah, my wife works more now that I'm home, and I actually and I know I shouldn't say that like on TV and radio, but I mean it's. Yeah, it's I'm getting better at that too, and and then yeah, and then my and then my daughter she gets a little tired of me being at home, so she does kick me out out to the golf course. And the handicap, you know what? I'm going to keep it as high as possible so that we can do a bit of sandbagging and you know win a bit of money on the side. So I don't want to get I don't want it to get too low, and and the guys that play with me know that there's not much worry about that. So it's it's been pretty good. Smoker and barbecue, Rob. Smoker and barbecue, probably the easiest things to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not building a shed, right? A new shed. Uh, the, the president of the Mount Forest Patriots, Ian Francis, who actually knows how to handle a tool, he's actually going to build me a nice new shed, and that's two things that are going in her, Stevie, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> well prepared. Yeah, yeah. So that, I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. No doubt about it. And we're looking forward to hockey coming back. Uh, we're excited that the season's around the corner. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, I can't wait. Um, Rob, we really appreciate this as always. We're excited that you're doing well, that you're enjoying retirement. I will tell you as well, uh, a couple years ago when the Patriots won, I believe their second straight championship, it was Rob brushed by our broadcast booth as he tended to do. And we look forward to that again and dropped us each off a little commemorative mug, a Mount Forest Patriots mug. We all got one. And I, I want you to know that I drank coffee out of it this morning in anticipation of our our interview today so i want you to know that rob that boy i appreciate that i hope i hope i can give you another one 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. I mean, <laughs> hey, we, we don't play favorites here at CKNX, no. but uh, we'll, we, we would take a mug. Hey, you yeah. never know, right? Yeah. Well, uh, Steve, Steve is easily, he, he's easily bought than you. you, you, you <laughs> yeah. Steve yeah, I, I've got a mug and a hat. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Now we have to have a conversation off the yeah. air. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Uh, Rob, in all seriousness, though, we're we're so appreciative of your time. We're glad you're doing well in retirement. We can't wait to see you back at the rink, my friend. I'm so excited for hockey to start. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. All right. We'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, lots to talk about, including a number of big NHL topics, the Arizona Coyotes. They might need a new home. They might need a new address. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some baseball, including the Blue Jays, the Baltimore Orioles setting a new level of mediocrity. And hey, the NFL's around the corner. We'll talk about that as well here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin. And Sabs, there's lots to talk about in the hockey world, the sports world in general. I do want to make note of of some sad news this week in the hockey world. Uh, Of course, uh, Jimmy Hayes, a former Maple Leafs draft pick and NHLer, uh, national champion with Boston College, brother of Kevin Hayes, uh, center with the Philadelphia Flyers, unfortunately passing away. Um, uh, Definitely unforeseen. Jimmy was only 31 years old. He was beloved in his hometown of Dorchester, Massachusetts. The Hayes family's a legend there. Uh, Very, very sad to learn of Jimmy passing away uh, at 31. He leaves behind a wife and two young boys. Uh, And then, of course, uh, three junior hockey players uh, sadly lost their life in a car crash in British Columbia uh, last week. Caleb Reimer, he was 16. Parker Magnuson was 17. And Ronan Sharma was 16 uh, as well. I want to send our thoughts and condolences to the family and friends of uh, uh, all four of those individuals uh, in other news, uh, never a good uh, transition out of news like that, but in other news, I don't want to call it happy news, Steve Sabrin, but vindicating news, maybe for myself, a person that has ragged on this franchise for many, many years, many years on this show. Uh, the Arizona coyotes uh, don't have an arena to play in. Now they do for this coming season, but the city of Glendale has canceled their lease agreement with the Coyotes to play at Gila River Arena after the 2021-22 NHL campaign. They don't have a rink to play in, and now there are more question marks than ever around this franchise that has switched owners a hundred times, it seems, over the last 15 years. And uh, yeah, they say they're maintaining that they want to get a rink built in Tempe, I don't know how they're going to get this done because the ownership group there, if you've been paying attention, Steve, like I know you have, they've had payroll problems. They have, they're, they're delinquent on so many bills, which is why, by the way, the arena lease is getting canceled. They're about $1.5 million in the hole in back payments that they owe the city of Glendale. Um, I don't know how the hell they're going to get a rink built. Uh, this is a disaster for Gary Bettman. He might have to give up the Arizona dream. Well, I've never heard of a professional sports franchise as long as I have lived unable to pay their players. Um, If the Buffalo Bills can't get a stadium built in their neck of the woods, one of the most supported NFL franchises uh, in the U.S., how is Arizona going to do it? Like, you got to have fans coming to the rink and they just don't have the support. Um, I mean, this franchise from the beginning has struggled. Like, they haven't even been good. Um, you look at other franchises that have come in at an expansion uh, capacity. Uh, Florida has kind of floated here and there. But, you know, early on when they came in, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. Tampa Bay has been a consistent powerhouse. Las Vegas has done well. Arizona hasn't been on the radar. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to sit down with the powers that be and ask what was the whole strategy behind plopping 
a franchise in Arizona. And it's it's only getting it's only been getting worse. You gotta pull the plug now. I I completely agree for a number of reasons. Like I said, I've never been supportive of the franchise. And and now that it looks like they're knocking at death's door in terms of their, their franchise's existence as the Arizona Coyotes, formerly the Phoenix Coyotes, it I, I feel almost a weird, you know, notion to try and be somewhat supportive of, of the fans there. And I don't know why this has come over me, but uh, a lot of people will know that Katie J. Strang of The Athletic has been covering the Coyote story, A, with their ownership issues with Alex Morello and his group. She wrote that great article about a lot of not great things about the workplace environment, missing payments, uh, bonus payments, especially to players during the bubble where guys' checks were bouncing. That's embarrassing for a pro sports franchise, especially one that has revenue sharing like the NHL does. How are you bouncing checks? Um, and then, but you look and and she said on a podcast this week on the Athletic Hockey Show, um, it, it's not necessarily fair to say that hockey can't work in the desert. And I somewhat agree with that. You mentioned Las Vegas, different desert, but still, I I agree. It's just that I, I think it could have worked in Arizona, but I think that too many bullets have been fired now and the carcass is laid bare because, like you said, Steve, now, for everyone who maybe needs a history lesson here, the Arizona Coyotes were the old Winnipeg Jets, and the only reason they moved out of Winnipeg was because the then owners didn't have the money to continue supporting the franchise. The fan support was still there, but the Canadian dollar was at an all-time low. It was a terrible Canadian economy next to the U.S., and so an ownership group took them to Phoenix and they originally played in a rink downtown. I remember interviewing Mike Gartner, former Capitals and Leafs uh, uh, alumnus Rangers as well, when he went down there. And I remember interviewing him a couple of years ago and he said, you know, when we first went there, uh, it was great. The fans were showing up, but that arena was downtown. And then it got taken down and the Suns built a new rink. They tried to get in on them with a dual facility and the Suns ended up saying no. And I can't remember exactly why. I think it was that the Coyotes wouldn't pony up enough of the money to have it be a dual facility. So the Suns built their stadium for basketball only and concerts. And Arizona ended up going out to Glendale, which if you're not familiar with the geography of Arizona as a state, that's a good 45 minutes outside the downtown of the greater Phoenix area. Uh, in traffic to get to a game for a 7.30 local time puck drop, that traffic jam could take you about an hour and a half to get through. There's fans down there, sure, but not enough that are going to sit in that kind of traffic and drive that far away from home to go and watch a team that, like you said, Steve, has been very bad for 85 to, what, 90% of their time. The zenith of this franchise was a Western Conference final run in 2012 off the back of a ridiculous Mike Smith postseason. Shane Doan was still there. Mikel Bodker. Other than that, I can't even remember a single player that was on that team. Was Oliver Ekman Larson in the league? I don't, I don't know. If he was, he was a rookie. Like, so what? So you have a Western Conference final to show for it. Any good players they do draft, they leave. No one stays there. Clayton Keller will be gone soon unless they move them to Quebec. That's the next point, though, Steve, is I don't see, like you said, how this moves forward and how they get a stadium built there when the interest is so low. Too many bullets. Where do you think they end up? Rumors about Houston, Quebec City. I don't know how keen Gary is on letting another Canadian team come back, but they've got that rink built. Where do you see them landing? Uh, you know, that's that's so tough to say because with the expansion Seattle uh, franchise coming in, right? You, you've now solidified a team in the Pacific Northwest in the U.S. Um, is there room in Canada? Like, you know, Winnipeg's done well uh, on their return, but, you know, does Quebec have um, the fan base to, to keep them going? Like, it, it's a tough one. It, it almost seems like the American, North American market for pro NHL or pro hockey uh, is saturated at this point because where is a viable market? You, you've taken a lot of the secondary markets away already. 
Um, and then you've got the other teams that, you know, are, are holding on your, your Nashville's uh, Dallas is an excellent team, but you know, from a economic standpoint, they're not the Toronto Maple Leafs or um, the, the Boston Bruins who, who pull in big money. Uh, yeah. It's tough to say Houston, you know, that's a tough goal. You've already got the stars. Can Texas support? It's almost like this team needs to become part of a conglomerate, an owner that already owns another pro franchise. So you can use a NBA arena as an NHL rink as well. You know what I mean? Um, they just can't be a standalone. That's how it feels to me too. And that's why there were the whispers of Houston because the Rockets owner has been vocal over the last couple of years about potentially buying a hockey team. Apparently he's a big hockey fan, wants to get into the market. This might be his chance. Like you said though, Texas, can they support two NHL teams? The Stars, to their credit, one Stanley Cup, almost another one two years ago. Like they've done well for themselves. And if you look at youth hockey numbers in Texas, they've actually shot through the roof. Their their hockey growth and participation rates are way higher than Canada's over the last decade. Um, Canada, of course, already having a lot of people involved, but can they support two franchises? But I think that that's probably where Gary would lean. Gary Bettman, of course, the commissioner of the NHL, is uh, somebody who already owns a franchise that could retrofit them in a building. Um, and that's what would have to happen. I mean, let's say it's the Houston Rockets. There would have to be significant upgrades made to that arena to support ice. We saw the disaster that occurred at Barclays Arena uh, where the Islanders temporarily played where the Brooklyn Nets are and they installed the wrong kind of pipe in there, not metal piping to keep ice cold enough and ask any NHL player that played at Barclays. The ice was all time terrible. Quebec, they've already got the rink, but you're right. Can that province and can this country support another NHL team? We like to tell ourselves, of course we can. Of course we can. You could drop a team in Saskatoon and it would do well. Keep in mind here, there's population issues. The fact that Montreal's right there and it costs a lot of money to go to an NHL game. There is that threat of oversaturation, right? So, uh, you know, just being Canadian and going, oh, we love the Olympics and we love Canada hockey, hockey. It does not guarantee that a team will do well here. I mean, I've heard other things. The, the mayor of Hartford stepped forward the other day and said they would love to put a plan together to get a team back there. Maybe that would work. I don't know. I've heard Portland thrown around. I've heard Kansas City. Who knows? I just, at this point, Steve, in closing, I am I am on the anywhere but Arizona train. I feel bad for the fans that are there. I'm sorry. Too many people have mishandled this. I think it's over. Well, you know, if they do go to Houston, they already have a leg up for names. Because if they're partnered with the Rockets... They could be the Houston Blastoff, the Houston oh. the Houston Pilots, anything to help the Rockets continue to succeed. The Houston Blue Origins, yeah. <laughs> Get Bezos involved. Why not? No, I I'm petitioning Bezos to buy my Oakland Athletics. What a sad state of affairs they're in. Let's switch our focus now over to baseball. I don't want to talk about the Athletics. I'd like to continue talking about a great story in baseball uh, as we record this on Wednesday, August 25th. Um, Shohei Otani is pitching and leading off for the Angels. It's incredible. Um, uh, he just continues to defy logic. There's the continuing debate on, is this better than what Ruth did? Is it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's better than what anybody else is doing right now. It's an incredible story. And for this episode, I, I purchased myself an Otani shirt. I've got it on in support of the guy. I, I love him. And just, for anybody saying, oh, it's bad for him to be the face of baseball and whatever, and the Jack Morrises of the world. Um, no, uh, I'm so on board the Otani train. I love watching him play. Um, Steve, just, you know, if you can put into context what he continues to do, he's sitting at 41 home runs right now. It's just ridiculous that this guy keeps on pitching as well. He could legitimately be in the conversation for Cy Young and MVP, which I think he's locked up. Yeah, you know what, and, and 
you know, I've never seen anything like this in, in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing, uh, you know, someone leading off and being the starting pitcher, uh, of a, of a professional baseball team. Um, uh, as for the historical comparisons, let's wait a few years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is one year. A lot of things can do. Players are managed a little bit differently. Um, and, and there's a whole bunch of things that go in, but from a, a historical marker in the timeline, that is baseball, uh, definitely one to highlight. Um, and you know what? It, 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 you said it. He's exciting to watch. Isn't that what sport is about for the fan? Is you go to the ballpark to see people play the game hard and provide entertainment. And that's what he's doing. Um, it, it's almost, to me, it's like the whole golf argument where you had players starting to do the fist pump and cheer loud and not be quiet on the golf course. It's creating excitement for the fans. That's how you, you know, uh, get the attention of fans and they become interested. You bought a shirt, you're interested, you're paying attention. That's what they want. So, um, you know, as it moves forward, whether he can keep up uh, this pace over the next couple of years will be uh, interesting to see. Um, but he's definitely got uh, uh, certain things uh, locked up this year. And uh, American League MVP for sure. Um, Cy Young, probably not. Um, yeah, that'll be tougher. Lance Lynn has a pretty decent grip on it. Yeah, he's I mean, he could get thrown votes only because um, he, he's playing both sides of the uh, of the baseball. But I think uh, I think he'll get the MVP, um, uh, but the Cy Young will will probably go elsewhere. Incredible if he even just gets any votes. And I mean, even if he wins MVP this year and then wins a Cy Young down the road, that's still insane. It's insane what he's doing. I want to quickly, before we move on to another baseball topic, take umbrage with the Baltimore Orioles. Now, I complain about my athletics. They're falling apart down the stretch. It sucks, whatever. I'm not an Orioles fan. They've lost 19 in a row as we record this. It's probably going to hit 20 because Otani's on the mound tonight. And uh, they are in danger of tying their all-time losing streak. They began a season 0-21 in the, I believe that was 82, uh, which is the longest uh, winless drought to open a season ever. Uh, They are terrible. The Baltimore Orioles suck. The other night, I'm watching the game. It was last night, actually. We're recording on this on Wednesday. I watched it on Tuesday night. I'm watching the game, opener of the series. They're up 8-1. Otani's been up to bat two times. He struck out and he flew out. It's 8-1 in the top of the fourth. Like, the, the Angels leathered Baltimore. Those fans have nothing to watch. And that's all due respect to Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini, which is, of course, a great story. Nothing exciting to watch in terms of this ball club. Otani comes up to bat. It's 8-1. They walked him. They intentionally walked him. The fans at Camden Yards booed the manager for walking Otani. They wanted to see him hit. And they intentionally walked him. You intentionally walk guys in serious because the Baltimore Orioles are not serious business. They are they are a triple A club with two good players. That's what they are. Three, actually, if you count my buddy John Means. You walk guys intentionally when you're down a couple runs in an important game, or you're up a couple runs, maybe you're tied, and you think, I gotta go to the next guy. You don't walk a guy down seven after you've lost 18 and what turned into 19 in a row. And especially in that market where you've got fans that have just watched garbage. The Baltimore Orioles are so bad, Steve, that Gary Thorne said, I've had enough and couldn't take being their announcer anymore. He retired. Like, that's what are they doing? The, you know, and the other thing about that situation with the walk, it wasn't like Otani had hit, you know, 450 foot home runs in his previous two at bats. Nothing. I mean, that's just a complete sign of frustration and a, uh, I don't care attitude. Like, and, and nowadays in baseball, you don't even do pitch outs 
you know, you don't throw four balls outside yeah. to walk. You just say in, uh, intentional walk, Mr. Umpire, and they send them on his way. Uh, no, that's that's pretty bad. And um, it's it's a slap in the face to the game because, you know, you're not trying to improve. You've completely shown that you've given up. Um, and I don't know what happened to this franchise. Like, they've had some very good historical highs um, back in the day when they had Earl Weaver as manager. Then they had Cal Ripken Jr. doing his thing. And, you know, ever since Cal left the game and retired, Baltimore's really never been the same. And I don't know it, what it is trying to get this franchise back up and running. Um, but and it's it's really too bad because you look at all of the great things in the American League East that are happening. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they're a sour note in the AL East right now and in baseball in general. And Steve, what it really boils down to is you guessed it, it's bad ownership. That's all it is. And we know this. I mean, bad ownership in baseball kills you worse than any other pro sport in North America. You can get by bad ownership and still win some stuff in other sports. There's things like salary floors. Maybe that comes to baseball someday, but they do not want to spend there. And I feel bad for the fans there. They got a, a great park, a historic park, historic players throughout their history and um, great fans. And, and they're getting treated terribly. And they wanted to see Otani, the most exciting player in the sport, hit last night. And they were denied that. Uh, I want to ask you quickly as well. We, we've talked about this debate before, but now with all the talk recently, the Field of Dreams game, it was great. They kept on you know, going back and referencing the movie and, of course, Shoeless Joe. And uh, it's the anniversary this week of Pete Rose being banned for life from baseball for betting on games while he was the manager of the Cincinnati Reds. I, I want to know your opinion on this. With, with gambling becoming so much more associated with sports, because it's goofy. You look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, Shoeless Joe Jackson, he's banned for life. Uh, welcome to our MLB broadcast brought to you by DraftKings. You know, it, and now there's legal single event gaming coming to Canada now. It's legal now. With all of that happening, do you foresee any event in the future where Pete Rose or, or Shoeless Joe or both are forgiven for their past sins and are welcomed into the Hall of Fame. Not in our lifetime. No, not at all. No, no they, chance. They won't be, there's, there's, there at this, at this point in time, there's no chance uh, a commissioner of Major League Baseball is going to overturn his predecessor's decisions. Um, it's, it's going to stay as is, and there's always going to be the debate that someone should be getting into the Hall based on their baseball merits. Um, the problem is with the gambling situation, you can't prove or disprove whether something happened during the course of the game due to something that was transpiring outside of the ballpark um, when it comes to, to betting. And the Shoeless Joe situation, um, you know, again, that story, if you look at his stats through that um, Black Sox series, as they, they deem it. His yep. stats were unbelievable. Oh, yeah. He got caught up in the group and and, and was pegged. But, um, you know, and, and but at the, at the end of the day, nobody in Major League Baseball's front office is going to take the, uh, the situation and, and overturn any past decisions at this point in time. I, I I think I agree with you. I, I do wonder what the, the whole betting landscape and the acceptance in greater degrees of gambling may do. I, I certainly don't leave it on the shoulders of Rob Manfred. I, I don't think that he will be the guy to take a hard stance on yes or no. I I, I guess me personally, I, I feel like Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. And to many people, that's a controversial take because they will say, and I understand uh, that he brought disrepute upon the sport. And and I agree with the notion in any sport that no one is bigger than the sport. Nobody is bigger than the sport, because if they are, then what are we doing here? That that doesn't make sense. 
I I do feel that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Shoeless Joe, it was such a it was such a long time ago, and and you're right, his stats would say that he wasn't trying to throw that World Series. And what he hit four thirteen or something like he had nine RBIs or something like uh, yeah, it's. It's a sticky situation, and uh, but I agree. I don't think that we're going to see it resolved more than what it already is anytime soon. Uh, football's around the corner. I know you love going to the Bills games. I mean, it's a lot of fun down there. NFL, it's the big machine over here in North America. Uh, I'm excited for football to start. Lots of storylines. Uh, can Tom go back-to-back with the Bucks? Is he ever going to hit a wall here at 44? Can Mahomes lead his guys back? Are the Bills finally primed to get back to a Super Bowl for the first time since the 90s? Is Big Ben going to be able to squeeze one more decent year out? Aaron Rodgers is mad at the Packers. I I mean, there are so many storylines here to pay attention to, Steve. I'm really looking forward to this season. Well, you know what? It's going to be interesting with the COVID situation because they've already ran into uh, personnel problems. Um, Not only guys having to sit out um, uh, because of contact situations, but also players um, not being vaccinated. Uh, And, you know, there's... Um, there's going to be situations coming up in the season that could really throw a team uh, onto its backside, uh, depending on um, what happens. Uh, you look in, I get to switch gears to the CFL. You look at the situation with the Edmonton Elks yep. and how they, they've had a game postponed because of multiple uh, COVID cases. Um, in the NFL, uh, they've come up with the uh, the forfeit situation where um, if a team uh, only puts itself in harm's way and um, they can't feel the team to play a game, then they're going to forfeit that game. So um, it's going to be an interesting um, field this year. And yeah, you, you look at the, the game is in definitely in transition when you look at um, dynasties. Um Buffalo is certainly uh, flying up the chart of favorites at this point in time. Uh, Josh Allen and his projections, unbelievable. Um, Green Bay on the downslide with the relationship with Aaron Rodgers kind of going into the toilet. Um, But you look at other teams, you know, is Tennessee going to be able to be a powerhouse like they have been over the last couple of years? Um, San Francisco is in a state of flux dealing with injuries, both on offense and defense. Um, What about the Seattle Seahawks getting a big defensive player in the backfield? uh, And, you know, is Russell Wilson going to show glimpses of uh, perfection once again? So a whole lot of storylines. And and this is the one league where parity really steps forward, because who would have thought that Tampa Bay would have rode the wave all the way to a Super Bowl last year? Um, so especially led by, you know, Tom Brady's not a young guy anymore from a athletics standpoint. Um, but you know, it, it, again, Tampa Bay is in the top, I believe they're in the top five for, uh, um, making it to the Super Bowl. So, um, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, it could be disastrous for your, for your pool. If you're in a football pool, watch out because uh, anything can happen. Yeah, the survivor pools this year are going to be uh, something to behold, just like fantasy was and survivor pools were last year. I'll be in a few fantasy leagues. I mean, yeah, a lot of things, even if a team looks good on paper, like those bills with guys like Cole Beasley being very outspoken about being anti-vax and everything like, listen, I I think that Josh Allen would be a great shout for NFL MVP this year. He was a top three guy for most people along with Aaron Rodgers and Russ, who was the first half favorite letting Russ cook out in Seattle. You're right. But Josh Allen was right there in the mix. He had an unbelievable season. But if the Bills have a COVID outbreak because Cole Beasley or whoever else, you know, causes an outbreak. And the rule I'll remind everybody is in the NFL, if they cannot find time to reschedule a game and they determine that one team's outbreak was the cause of the delay, that team gets tagged with a loss. 
And Jerry Jones was on Dallas radio earlier this week, basically saying we need to turn this from a me to a we situation. These vaccines are about um, not to get political, even though healthcare shouldn't be political, folks, not to tell you to get a vaccine or not. But it's about protecting us all, protecting everybody, making sure that new variants don't develop. We see what's going on with the Delta variant right now in the U.S. causing these problems for NFL teams and communities at large. And Jerry Jones basically came out and said we need to change this from a me to we the cowboys are going to be doing that and he basically said if you're not going to get vaccinated then i don't want to hear guys telling everybody that they're doing whatever it takes to win because if you're not vaccinated and you cause an outbreak and your team takes a loss and finishes 10 and 7 extra game this year folks remember 10 and 7 instead of 11 and 6 and you miss the wild card did you do everything to win did you something to think about? I'm really excited for the NFL. Um, I think that the, like we've talked about the bills are the favorites in the East. Uh, do you have any bold predictions for the season? Maybe some dark horse MVP, you know, do you have any predictions that maybe are off the rock here for the NFL season? Uh, no, I don't because it's, it's so up in the air. Um, you know, it, I'm, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the Bills to win the NFC East or sorry the AFC East. Yeah, uh, coming out um, the NFC East will still be the weakest division in in football. Um, do you like the Washington football team there? No, I, I well, couldn't do uh, for for the for the for the comp for the uh, NFC East for the yeah. division. Yeah, but from a conference perspective, they're going to be the weakest uh, uh, division out of out of the four of them. Um, and you know what, Kansas City as talented and as good as they are, I don't think they make the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be, I mean, they're going to have a very good uh, regular season. Um, and it just, they're so different than what the New England Patriots were in the sense that yeah, the Patriots were able to fill holes with guys. Oh, we need a guy here. We need a guy here. And, you know, the the roster was continuously changing over. That's uh, right, right. And in Kansas City, I don't know if they have um, that um, drive to keep changing the roster to plug the holes that they need to plug. That they're just going to go with the guys they have. Um, and and the other thing too is is now the league's seen Mahomes uh, for a few seasons. And whether or not they're going to be able to, I guess, adapt to his style of play and and ex, you know, like, uh, know what to expect, um, it'll be uh, it, it it'll be interesting to see. But um, and Tampa Bay, you know what? As much as Tom Brady has his, you know, um, dislikes, he's just exciting to watch and you got to be careful when he's on the field at all times because you never know what's going to happen you certainly do hey ladies and gentlemen avocado ice cream there's the secret isn't it i'll give you one bold prediction and this one will probably blow up in my face because i always drink the dac kool-aid the dallas cowboys are going to be in the nfc championship game there's my bold prediction steve shaking his head already you know what if the Dallas Cowboys make it to the NFC Championship game, yes, I will buy you dinner. Okay, great. I will buy you a dinner. A couple of McDoubles will do just fine. So no, we'll go. We'll, we'll get. We'll get a little more fancier than that. But there is no way the Dallas Cowboys are making the NFC Championship game. You heard it here first, folks. Book it. Uh, I'm very excited. Go, Dak, go. Come on, Cowboys. All right. We'll take one last quick break here on the show. When we come back, I'll throw out some great bets for you in the upcoming weekend on behalf of our friends at CoolBet. Coming up here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury still with you here and really quick time to rattle off a betting segment. Some great bets for you guys to lay down on the weekend 
on behalf of our friends at Coolbet. Let's start with where we ended off in the last segment with myself and Steve Sabrin, NFL futures. Here we go. I love betting on award winners, and here's a great value money bet here on NFL MVP. Of course, you've got your guys like Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, Allen. Yes, great value here. Kyler Murray. I love the Arizona uh, Cardinals almost called them the Coyotes. The Cardinals, a legitimate sports franchise. DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in football. I think the Cardinals made a statement last year. They're here to play plus 2,200 money on Kyler Murray winning MVP. I love, love, love that defensive player of the year after an injury riddled season for not only himself, but his whole team. I love what Nick Bosa is all about plus 2100 for defensive play of the year with Nick Bosa. Are you kidding me? That type of athlete? Absolutely hammer that one. Heading into this weekend, my Oakland Athletics are playing a four-game set with the New York Yankees on the weekend. Trust me on this one. Don't take anybody on the money line, but hammer the overs in those games. Oakland, when their offense does get clicking, they launch a ton of homers, and the Yankees are red hot right now with some of the best bats in the league. Take the overs in the Oakland-New York Yankees games this weekend. All right, we appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. You can listen to us Fridays at 6 on CKNX AM 920, cknx.ca. Be sure to also watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on White TV. You can also find the podcast on all the best podcast apps, and we're on our YouTube channel debuting Friday nights at nine. Follow us on socials at MWO underscore sports. For myself, Ryan Drury, producer Adam, Steve Sabrin, and our guest this week, Rob Nixon of the Mount Forest Patriots. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Mm-hmm.